You're experiencing the Authentic Chaos Podcast, an exploration into our inner selves and journeys of self-discovery. I'm your host, Vahagini Arnosian, and today I have a returning very special guest, Tessa Heeren. Ding, ding. <laughs> Welcome, Tessa, for round two of Authentic Chaos. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Shit, I shouldn't make those jokes in this shirt. Like, call me like a it's okay, it's this. okay. We're... <laughs> God damn it. Um, damn it, and then I just brought it up. Anyway. It's all right. It's all right. You know, our our, our audience is very mature, and you know, half of them aren't even watching the video. Probably, <laughs> probably only like one or two Perfect. are watching the video. So, dear listeners, in this beautiful day in April, it's tax day. If you're listening to this and haven't done your taxes, you might be a little <laughs> late. I hope you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next yeah. year we'll be a little bit more timely with our tax day uh, reminder. <laughs> But uh, you know, That's thank it. you. No, no, no. We got to teach them. They got to listen every yeah. day the second it starts streaming. <laughs> but thank you, thanks you, Tessa, for joining me. And like you know, we've bo both been on like quite a few adventures um, throughout the throughout the past couple months. So, what's been exciting you lately? Taxes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't get excited by taxes? Um, yeah, no, you know what's been exciting me? Uh, connecting with people, shifting people's roles in my life. Mm. I'm also kind of on a job hunt. I'm doing, I'm at, I just, you know, to sum it up, I just drew a tarantula tarot card. Okay. And it's kind of, a, it's kind of a tough one because it uh, implies, it signifies this big fork in the road in front of you. And you have to pick the fork that is the most in line with your dharma. Do you do tarot? Are you familiar? I, I don't. I don't do tarot, and my, my, many of my audience might not be familiar. Shocking! So if you'd be, if you'd be That's willing shocking. to give an explanation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you just kind of—it's kind of like reading a horoscope or something. Yeah. And I actually probably should either be speaking on this, but what, what's, you draw what's a card dharma? and it has like a little. Oh, it's like your life's purpose. It's oh, like your okay, life's okay. purpose. So kind of like your values. So I have a, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So essentially I just, uh, got this message. It's just like a random draw of a card, yeah. but you know, supposedly has meaning, but <laughs> anyway, it has it, whatever meaning it, you want to give it to. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's always good to reflect on things in different yeah. ways, but yeah, it gave me a, it gave me a message that I need to choose a path and I should, one of them has my Dharma at the end of it. Or follow it. Yeah. My life's purpose. It's kind of heavy. That that is. I mean, that's not like a a choice to be taken lightly. That's like a a life defining right. choice. And like, how are, how are you going about even like figuring out what that branch is or what that decision is going to be? So much. Um. So much writing. Mm. A little bit of meditation. Yeah. A little bit of consultation with friends, my advisors, my board of advisors. <laughs> I love that. You know who you are. <laughs> but yeah, how have you been? You've been globetrotting. Yeah, I've been, you know, 
maybe to a less extreme degree, but I've been kind of doing similar things as you. Like I was, so I was traveling uh, throughout Southeast Asia and regular viewers of this podcast will know that I did quite a few uh, interviews while I was traveling and episodes in Thailand and Laos and Cambodia. And those were really, those were really spectacular. I love hearing, <laughs> I like your little reaction. Um, I like. I was wondering. I, I like hearing like other people's stories, and you know, l- like you said, like I love connecting with people. And one thing I've noticed as I've a- asked people this question of like what excites you is that more and more people are starting to talk about how they really value connecting with people in a way that mm. like I'm not even. I didn't even like expect in America like most of these are Americans who I've been asking and I think people are slowly starting to understand or appreciate the value of like total strangers in their lives or like people they may not have given much credence to and so wow I've I've been reflecting on that a lot I've been like expanding my own mindfulness journey and trying to figure out like what makes sense for me. You know, I was told I was sold like this lifestyle that I had to take like a a molded life that is supposed to fit the average American citizen. But I don't feel I, I don't feel average. I feel like the lifestyle of like, oh, you know, get a house, get a job, or get a job, get a house, get married, have kids, retire at like 65 or 70 or whenever, (laughs) maybe never, (laughs) and then deal with the mounting costs that are constantly increasing. Like, I'm unemployed right now, and I'm realizing how expensive it is to be poor in this country. Like, Dude, things have, something's got to give, something's going to seriously snap. Everybody's yeah. feeling this pressure. It's, it's bad. I don't know. Like, I don't understand the invisible hands involved. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think the system is meant for us. I think it's meant for like the people that the capitalists, the people that have the, that own the, the land, own the, uh, like own the companies, own the production or own the profits of the production. I don't think it's ultimately for us. We're we're the workers. We're the we're just supposed to be kept alive long enough to be as productive as possible. And it's like, you know, yeah. I was happy to do it while I was like uh kind of docile in the system. Like <laughs> I wasn't so like I didn't think about it. Found right? out how fucked I, up it was. Well, <laughs> well, I think no, no, no. I think you okay. have been thinking about this. I think you knew these things to be true, or you understood like what the fuck capitalism is. Yeah. But I think actually experiencing a break from it, you're like, whoa! Like you can really see it from a different perspective. Because when's the last time you didn't have a job? I've had a job since I was like fucking 14 years old. Yeah, you know? the the last time. So um. The last time I didn't have a job was when I like had a I uh, I had a, a speedy exit out of grad school. Um, okay. <laughs> I was I was twenty three, twenty four. I had failed out of my PhD candidacy exam, and I had a, what I call a quarter life crisis uh, because I suddenly had this whole life path I had set for myself mm. had vanished. 
and was no longer a possibility for me. So like, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Like all of my hopes and dreams, like everything. I had my whole future planned. I like, I figured where I was going to end up living, like what kind of house I'd want, like what kind of family I'd want. And all of that came crumbling down because of this. Ah, uh, and ah. Uh. And then that's the, at, that's the torture of youth, man. It is. You have no longevity. Yeah. yeah. And I was so like reflect looking back at it. So, cause I'm in a kind of a similar position right now. Granted I have more money saved away. So I'm not like six months away from having to move back in with my parents, but I've also, that would make for some good podcast episodes. <laughs> if I could go back in time to past V. <laughs> um, but I have been reflecting that what really makes this different or what really helps me now versus then is that back then I felt this desperation, this urgency to find what's next to fill the void of what's next like realistically i could have waited i could have spent some time uh well, hold on it's, little... it's the cops talk about waste of public tax money what happened to tax day <laughs> we'll get to it anyway so I think it's actually a fire. I think it's actually fire. It, it could be. Who knows it? So th hey, podcast listeners. That's another hey, thing that I... Ambulance or cop. <laughs> that's another thing I learned in, like, other countries. Like, sirens are not nearly as loud. I feel like in the U.S. they blast sirens to, like, maximum loudness. And sometimes for no yeah. reason. Like, the, the, the street can be empty and they'll still blast it at like 150% just to like say, hey, we're here. <laughs> so weird. So weird. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, so I'm sorry. What were we talking? What was I saying before I got distracted? Uh, oh, that's a good, that's a good question. I actually took a note. It was actually oh. unrelated. We were talking about. Oh, oh yeah, well, past me, past after me. that siren level. So yeah, past you. So I think one of the big things about like that is different about my current predicament versus where I was in the past is that now I have the, I guess I feel more wisdom about myself, more understanding, more maybe I understand my dharma more. To go back to your tarot example, mm -hmm. but like I feel more connected with who I am as a holistic person back then i my sole connection with myself was this this mm. future dream i had and that was solely dependent on a profession and i had tied myself to that like i i was a scientist i and like because of that i had all these things coming so who i was was tied to things that were outside of me now who i am Which, oh sorry yeah uh, which is a good thing that you've evolved since there because you know, that could have been in the sense of balance and the sense of losing a job for you to lose your entire identity along with it, <laughs> you know, it's terrifying. would be a lot more devastating. Yeah. And you landed on your feet because you have a whole, you know, life and self-conception beyond work. Yeah. And, and you're like, you know, I have, a, I have a community that helped, that helped me through it. I have really good friends that I can be vulnerable with and talk to and family. I can be vulnerable yeah. with and talk to, but I also give myself the space to be able to reflect and sit down and take a step back 
and just think. Think about what makes sense for me, because ultimately, what is the point of a job? What is the point of making money? Like, money isn't the point of life. Like, we're supposed to be using this stuff to, like, maybe get more time and or something, but, like, really the our own happiness and our own life force, our dharma, that feels like more of an important thing for me, at least. And even though I've been unemployed, I've been unemployed for several months, and I've been, I've been very happy. I've been very, like, relaxed, very, like, I feel like I can spend more time on things that are more fulfilling to me. I can spend more time on the people yeah. that are close to me. And I have more energy to give myself to others, which is, has been yeah. super valuable. It's amazing. And I have a friend who's going through something similar. Oh, really? She works in social work mm -hmm. and the field is so stressful and detrimental to her health. And she's in a position where financially her partner can help her uh, not work for a while. And she's like, I hate it. I don't want to feel like a housewife, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is the most radical thing you can do to not work and to focus on your community to build up relationships. She has a sister who's like going through a divorce right now. Mm. And it's like, sorry to be putting your life on blast anonymous friends, but like, but like there's so much that, that we can contribute to society and our communities and our networks that has nothing to do with making money and capitalism. And it's so valuable. Yeah. You know, I'm like, if you can be there for your sister at this time, it will change her life. Yeah. Exactly. No one's going to remember like the, the time yeah. they had a job or the time they didn't have a job. You will remember these moments where you are there for the people in your community, the people who are closest to you when they need you the most yeah. and you are there for them. That is a, that is a memory that will stick with you because it matters. And so many people want to do that. So many people want to be that to people, but it's like, Oh, I have to go to work. You yeah. know, it's just like, you know, or it's like, I'm tired from work or, you know, whatever. That's but, actually, yeah, no, so speaking of tired from work, takes up time and energy. Yeah. I was, uh, so like when I got back, I was like, uh, listening to conversations. Cause I've recently, I've been just trying to peer into other people's worlds, like total strangers worlds a little bit. And I love listening in on the conversations Voice. they have. What? So, I said noise. Yeah. <laughs> and um, one, one couple was having a conversation where the woman was saying that she really wishes that, you know, scientists could figure out how to transfer dog energy into humans. So that way you can get done all of the things you need to do in the day, like work and chores and stuff like that, and still have energy to enjoy your, the rest of your day, like your evenings and stuff. What do dogs do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what dogs do deserve this. This would probably require some sort of crazy Elon Musk Neuralink technology, which would involve yeah. the torture of thousands of dogs um so no i think dogs are chilling all day they, yeah. they are also chilling all day they <laughs> having had we'll suspend reality i have dogs <laughs> or i've i've had dogs in the past my family has dogs and yeah they just laze around all day until they're ready to actually do something then they have their burst of energy <laughs> that's that's the story of my life i already got this secret down <laughs> anyway <laughs> but i was thinking like you are imagining this like futuristic scenario 
where we have like technology has advanced in such a way that we have more energy to be more productive. <laughs> like we can't even contemplate like, well, what if I spent less time on my work and then more time with people that are important to me? Totally, totally. And people even start to get creative about how they can use their free time to make money. Or, you know, just like building little side hustles and stuff. When are you going to get some sponsors on this podcast? You know? <laughs> I'm the, Can't you, you know People, <laughs> you know, for now, I, we're a, a totally community driven podcast. This is going to be yeah. it's free for everyone. <laughs> I hate I'll ads as much you. as everyone else. <laughs> and, I'll send you a storyboard of who I think might be good partners. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, why can't we envision a world where, yeah, like being able to, being able to rely more on our creative aspects. Like this for mm. me is like one of, like a big creative endeavor for me. And I feel like it feels more fulfilling than like work because like one, I get to be, I get to be creative. This is my way of doing art performance art totally and totally i'm doing it because i want to and there is value in it but the value may not be quantitative or tangible or monetary but like the value is in like providing other people another opinion on just being their themselves and another voice affirming their chaos totally totally it's a win-win. And this is the thing is when people are themselves and are free and have something to share with the world, even if it's just them being themselves fully, it's, it makes a big difference. It improves everybody's lives around them. Yeah. You know? And of course it does a lot for the person who's doing the thing that's making them happy and suits who they are. Yeah, so totally. fun. Yeah. So that's I, how I feel about doing comedy too. Yeah, yeah, because you do stand up, and I I saw you got into an open mic the other night. <laughs> yeah, how did that go? These bitches line up line up an hour before the sign. Whoa, whoa! I didn't realize yeah, open crazy. mic was so popular. So competitive, jeez! I know. I'm like, no one's getting paid here, but people. I mean, to the point, people. It's important to them. They invest time into it. They you know, oh, well. are there, to, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. And, and I always walk away from an open mic being like, that was so much fun. I'm yeah. just like living a dream. I'm just like sharing my ridiculous jokes with people and people are having fun. Cause I'm having fun, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's like a fantastic, like creative endeavor. Like, do you feel like that's part of your Dharma? <sighs> I wouldn't dare to dream such a dream, but yes. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I have some performer in me. Yeah, you know what? I think we all kind of do. Yeah. Like, I Yeah. I think a I, lot of us seek, like, yeah. we all, a lot of us seek, like, some sort of validation and, like, affirmation from people. And sometimes that is, like, kind of a performance. Totally. Oh, I am such a believer that life is a stage. Literally everything we do yeah. is just a different scene and a different setting and a different act. You know? Yeah. 
My, so one of the friends I made on this trip, uh, she's described life as a book as like your life is a book and you're like the main character of the story and you get to write like the people that cross your path can like contribute to that story. Either they contribute a word or a sentence or a full paragraph or like a whole chapter. But then like, instead of scenes and acts, it's like chapters and like sections of chapters. So it's cool how like different people kind of view life in these different like kind of sectioned off ways. There's there is something very very transformative about creating your own narrative. Mm-hmm. I think this is part of this book analogy and it's something that I've realized more as I take the time to know myself and understand myself and put these pieces together about who I am. Yeah. I things start to make more sense mm-hmm. and I feel more confident. And I'm like, oh, this is who I am. And this is why I am this way. And I'm like, that's cool, you know? And it's like to be able to, and and write, and to be able to know that, like, think of yourself as the main character and be like, people are going to come in and out. But, like, between you and me, between me and myself, like, I'm always going to be here watching, observing, being active, of course, in my own life. But I'm the main character. And what I say goes, this is funny, right? Wait, why is it This kind of active, this kind of, it's almost, it feels, it feels, and maybe this is, you know, a misperception, but it feels like a little bit of an active self-delusion, you know? How so? (sighs) Why do you, it's your turn to talk, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I know, right? I actually, you know, the second I thought that, I was like, why? But I still thought it, so I thought it needed to be said. Okay. Okay. That's fair. You know, you know, like I agree. I agree that it shouldn't be challenged, but I did think it. Yeah. You know, I think as I've been like understanding myself better and understanding like self care better and like mindfulness better, I've been reflecting on somewhat similar things. Like people like to say like, yeah, we're main care. We're the main characters in our own story. We're the narrative in our own story. And it's true. And I don't think it's selfish to say. I like to I like to tell people and remind myself, I remind myself constantly that we all live like hyper-personalized existences. Our own, like even how we like view reality is incredibly personal. It's entirely based on like our own lived experience and nature and nurture, things like that. Um And so because of that, like everyone experiences things very differently. We can look at, we we can have two different people looking at the same scene and take something completely different out of it. Like I have a friend who's more anxious and a little bit more uh, neurotic or narcissistic than me. So like, or neurotic, I don't know which, but like. That could describe everybody in the entire universe. So like, we'll be, like, let's say we're walking down the street in the sidewalk and then he see, he like, someone will like, he'll notice something and be like, that, that guy like gave us a funny look. And I'm like, I think Uh, he was just looking. Those people. Yes. And yes. So, you know, I think we're all so in our heads that we're creating all these narratives of what's going on that we don't even have the, we don't even have the brain capacity half the time to like 
under to even mm. notice other people, let alone like take into account what other people are thinking and try to actually like interpret and do something for other people. Where everything we do or many things that we do and say is entirely based on what's going on in our own heads and how we're interpreting situations. Yes. So a mantra yes. that like I've taken up recently is nothing is personal. Mm. everything so true. all the things that you think are like specifically affecting you from the outside are likely mm -hmm. not it's likely just some sort of chaotic thing that someone is doing and you are just interpreting it in a personal way because you live a hyper personalized existence you only see the you've only ever seen the world from your own perspective yes and and i would propose that some of my uh assumptions about other people or my uh, attempts at interpreting other people's behavior is from being from the Midwest in which people are very passive mm. about conflict yeah. and that you're supposed to be able to anticipate conflict and avoid it, you know, and yeah. like, uh, or, or interpret conflict out of something that's not really clear and, you know, correct yourself or fix the situation or whatever. But like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think direct conflict is definitely the way because then you can go about your life thinking nothing is personal until someone's like, no, this is personal, you know, but yeah. yeah. Mm. That, that's, that's another, that's an interesting point to bring up about like these different cultures and like how we like, politeness versus maybe kindness like it's people like to say that the midwest is a very is the nicest place that the people are the nicest people but we know they're that the least self-aware people yeah because they're the biggest people pleasers like i don't know bad boundaries like is that nice yeah i mean it's true like everyone's talking about their neighbor like usually behind their back in like ways that aren't great. Like I know, like I grew up in the it suburbs in the Midwest and like everyone's in each other's business, but like to their faces, oh, everyone is so, so kind. Oh, so in business. Yeah. Oh my God. So the, the policing, the policing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the self policing people are just like, are they being good? Like, you know what's so funny? I don't know. This is a little off topic, but um, people leaving their windows open, like their living room, not their windows, but their curtains up so you can see in their houses. Yeah. You've seen people do this all night, just like see them sitting in their den, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen that. Like people <laughs> like so in Seattle, like people don't really close their blinds so much. I mean, I never do. Sure. There's something about, I think... In the Midwest, people like to be able to watch each other. They like to be able to like look at their neighbor and be mm -hmm. like, "Yeah, they're being normal." Mm -hmm. <laughs> I trust them. Like, super weird. I don't like it, but yeah, I am a blind closer. I don't like to be observable. That's you know? fair. That's fair. And I mean, I'll say as a man, my experience is very different. People aren't generally going to so? be peering. People aren't generally trying to peer into my apartment for you know reasons oh no I've although i do live in seattle so i can't say that out there. <laughs> <laughs> some of them want you yeah it's true things. it's true um, <laughs> <laughs> um i actually had an interesting situation uh 
the other night where my buddy and I, we went to a bar and, um, you know, I was chatting with, uh, with a guy and you know, like, and so I, I'm a big flirt. I will flirt with everybody because I find it as a fun way of getting to know someone. Oftentimes, most of the time when I flirt, I don't have any intentions of ha of like any physical intimacy or anything like that. It's exclusively just like a fun way for me to meet someone. Like, and it's nice to compliment people. Yeah, exactly. Like and that's all that it really yeah, is. Yeah. Like people think like flirting yeah. is like, oh, you're shoving your tongue down someone's throat. But it's like, no, I'm just giving yeah. you compliments. And like, it, they're like, and they're going to be sincere compliments. If I find something that I really like, I'm going to, I'm going to comment on it. Like I'll say that your hair is looking really great today. And I mean, are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah, you're looking good. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you. you're vibing. Thank you clearly you. got a lot of sun when you were down in Puerto Rico. That retreat was Always definitely worth be it. Tanning. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. Anyway, but like go on. you know, I think a lot of people, men especially, are so not used to getting compliments that mm. they'll take flirting as like a uh an invitation and so this guy starts like touching me and i was like hey i'm not comfortable with that i put up a boundary very quickly and said like hey it's not for me no thank you were you flirting with him what were you wearing <laughs> <laughs> were you like giving him signals <laughs> i was just being nice i was just having a conversation <laughs> just being okay vivacious yes I, I did comment on like his skincare routine because he was like 15 years older than me and looked like my age i was genuinely Great. shocked i was like because like i i love i really appreciate good skincare routines i've been trying to do that too because i'm trying to avoid the it shows bro thank you thank you someone's gonna come up to you and ask soon i'm trying to avoid the armenian curse of becoming a raisin by your <laughs> by your mid-30s so <laughs> yeah 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 um but yeah uh and then, and then he got, of course, very upset that I rejected his advances and then stormed off. Really? Really stormed off? Yeah, yeah. He literally stormed off. Unfortunate. I mean... Did you tell him it wasn't personal? It, I mean, I didn't take it personally because I know it wasn't me. It was, like, about his... Did you tell him it wasn't personal? Or was it personal? Uh, what? That he stormed off? Or the, the rejection. Oh, the rejection? Were you like, were you like oh. oh, I'm not interested... Nothing personal. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. All I said was, I mean, I all I said was that I was uncomfortable, and then I thanked him for wow. respecting my boundaries when he when he stopped. So, and okay. I don't, I don't think you have to. Sounds, I don't, sounds like a healthy interaction on your part. Yeah, and like I don't think you have to give anyone. You, I don't think you deserve some to tell anyone, or you don't have to give people like, oh, I'm not interested in you, or I'm not interested in this, whatever. I mean, if you're uncomfortable, mm -hmm. just express your boundaries. Mm. And once again, as a man, that might be easier for me to say because, like, I don't have to worry about like threats of violence or anything like that if I'm rejecting like another man's advances. Um, and like, yeah. yeah, men are very aggressive when, when they like want something and don't understand how to take compliments in a way that is like a healthy and like separates flirty from like wanting like sex. Yeah. 
Mm. It's it's also interesting, right? They're they're it's hard for them to accept a compliment and rejection. Them yeah. just talking between you and me, Bog, and let's talk about these dudes. I mean, we even we even had a whole episode on rejection and ghosting, and we talked extensively about how hard it is to reject and be rejected. But yeah, but it, yeah. it's an important part. It's it's like the flip side of acceptance mm. and accepting people into your life. You like. If you want to be good at that, I think it also helps to understand how you feel and in rejection. And they're and they're related, right? Mm-hmm. He he expected you to accept his advances. Yeah. And, and to be rejected was just like too much to handle. Like couldn't even just be like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I find I find that uh oftentimes I think when I reject men and I am very direct about it, um they're surprised. They're like, Oh, I didn't even like realize that was oh, really? possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're totally like, they're totally like, Oh shit. Like I, I, I had no idea. Yeah. No. Wait, wait. I'm so are they, like, are they more surprised that you rejected them in a direct way or that they were maybe like crossing one of your boundaries? They thought they, they were incapable of rejection. Really? And for them to, and for them to make me not want them to talk to me was just like so surprising. They were like, I had no idea. Like, like they thought I was, they were doing me a favor or something, you know? And they're like, Oh, I was just trying to, you know, like give you the attention you're clearly starving for. That's why that's, that's wild. (laughs) So what they, they went into these encounters expecting like, well, she's obviously going to say yes. Right, right. This happens a lot. If if I'm like alone, people think people think I'm like, you know, very like I really want to meet somebody. Like I'm there alone. Uh, Like I'm really like, and that's just like not always the case. Like sometimes, sometimes I want to meet people, and you know, I do in different contexts. But like, people think it's an open invitation that I'm like, yeah, yeah, looking for someone to talk to, like because I need some company, and I'm just kind of like. Not maybe because maybe because they're not too like keen on being alone either. So they know if they're in that similar situation, they'd want company or something like that. Or who knows? Maybe it is yeah. like maybe it is like a toxic masculinity slash patriarchal assumption that like, oh, a single unmarried woman, like she obviously like we need to we need to fix that. It's yeah, it's just a, it's just a, and I think honestly, I don't think it's just men that hold this perception, but like women too, that like to be out by yourself in public is just like, kind of like, there's a, people read into it in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. I don't think it's that unusual, but I think a lot of people do. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I think yeah. you're right though. I think you're right that there is this assumption that like, if you're out on your own, you definitely want to talk to people. Right, right, right. Which I do enjoy in some ways. And I just like, I don't like always like being hit on or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that, I think it's totally fair. Like sometimes, like I, I can definitely understand that. Like I like what if I'm usually out in like social spaces, like I like, I'll, like to be social people but like yeah sometimes i'm not in the mood for like flirting or anything sometimes i just want to like hang out have make some friends although i did say that i'm like constantly flirting so 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's the it's the tactless, it's the tactless flirting. Yeah, know, and I'm just kind of like, Egh. yeah. No, of course, there's always always uh, yeah, good good opportunities for unexpected. Yeah, and I I so what helped me like understand and build my own my new view of flirting, um, is I read this really good book on relationships, um, called The Ethical Slut. Well, it, it may sound... Well, everybody, everybody is reading that right now. I read it in college. I read it, I read it last year, so I'm a little bit ahead of that curve, but you're way ahead of the curve. <laughs> but I thought it was what really, like, one of the things that really stuck to me is, like, one, it's an excellent book on, like, different relationship styles. And dear listener, if you're single or even if you're in a committed relationship, I think it does everyone good to like question the assumptions that you have and really try to be more present in these relationships because relationships are complicated. The relationship you have is probably different from every other relationship you've had and different from every other relationship you've seen. So I think it, it's been very helpful for me to like understand new like uh, different perspectives on how relationships work. Like, so, and I think this book does a really good job of like talking through different relationship styles. And, but, totally. but like the thing on flirting that really uh, was interesting to me and helped me like really helped me actually kind of decouple some of, or like get myself less shame about flirting and how much I flirt is she separates out, um, flirting from what you know, what she calls and what other people have called cruising. So uh, in this, so flirting would be, as I described, it's a playful interaction for meeting people. Uh, like it can be fun little compliments, just like winking, winking. Yeah. Even eye contact, smiling. body language, but it doesn't mean uh -huh. that you want to, it doesn't mean that you want to have sex or that you want to have any physical intimacy with a person. It can just be like a fun totally. way to meet someone. Uh, whereas cruising is flirting with the intent of having sex. So that's like, mm. imagine you're like going around from person to person, basically looking for someone who's willing. Um, and sure. You know, both of them are valid. Both of them have their places, but it's important to yeah. separate the two out. You like, I think I sincerely believe if we all like mm. flirted with each other in more platonic ways, getting to know people would be so much more exciting. Like it's so much more fun than like asking the standard, mm. like, what do you do for work? Where are you from? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite movie? Instead, like, you know, ask some like, <laughs> like, you know, talk to them like a normal person, a like comment on things that they've done. Like, I lo like, I love noticing the things ways that people put effort into their outfits when they go out oh hell yeah hell yeah and like yes. yeah so i think that's it's a lot of fun and it makes meeting people super cool yeah and this is something that i think women have been in tune to for a long time mm. i feel like it was actually it's actually maybe kind of a recent revolution maybe it was just my personal uh awareness of this idea of just like building up other women just because yeah. just being like i see your style i like it and for whatever reason it's so much harder for men because like this 
the masculinity just says you can't do that and if you do it's super gay or whatever yeah it's so true you know like it's super unfortunate i it's actually very sad you know that you guys can't i mean you guys (laughs) i am the representative of all men (laughs) (laughs) all of you all of you yeah but no you know, it's just like, yeah, it sucks. That's just a nice thing to do for each other. And it doesn't have to mean anything except I notice you. I see you. Yeah. You're, you're cool. You know? Yeah. that That's actually a really great point. Like, I'm only re- recognizing these things now because I'm a man. And, like, yeah, men don't really compliment each other. Even a lot of my friends don't compliment each other. And, like, so I'll compliment them, but then they feel weird about compliment, complimenting me back, which is fine. You <laughs> yeah, know? they're scrambling. Yeah, they're like, oh, God, oh, God, is he hitting on me? <laughs> is, is this did the I, day? <laughs> did I touch his dick? I don't know. <laughs> and, like, so I'll, 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 like, give people, like, I'll give men compliments in, like, like total strangers compliments and like sometimes they'll be like oh are you hitting on me this is weird and sometimes they'll be like genuinely shocked that <laughs> like yeah. that one they're being talked to and two that uh, by a stranger and two that the stranger is like gonna is like affirming them in some way right i mean i can keep doing it I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it because that's how I am. And that's who I am. I'm not going to stop because like other people might think that like I'm hitting on them or something like that. Um, I always, I will make my intentions which, clear where important, where necessary. Yeah. Yes. Right. Which is, which is, you know, where no homo is all about. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so stupid that it's needed to be said. It, yeah, but like, yeah, is. this is the whole thing is like, people want to be kind to each other, but they just like, don't want to be misinterpreted. It's one of the greatest like misunderstandings. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think people have trouble discerning like, homosexual approaches and flirting with with heterosexual i'm like you just can't understand that all these situations are equivalent but you just like don't see it the same because you don't you only understand one one side of it you only have this hetero lens but like this happens in hetero interactions too that it's like yeah 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 it's true i mean like guys will compliment each other on like gains at the gym or like sweet sick things that they did or whatever like so and like that's very similar so why not also compliment like hey you're looking good today you're like you're looking fresh yeah yeah i think everyone deserves it yeah and this kind of relates to our earlier conversation on midwest culture and like how we view like niceness versus kindness and maybe more maybe men are more used to like niceness like being being like superficially kind to people versus like actual like kind like deeper kindness and like Mm. show like trying to build each other up and affirming each other and this kind of makes me think reflect on um you've probably heard this like that uh, like there's that classic like toxic masculine trope or patriarchal trope that like oh men make better friends than women because men will be like will be upfront about their issues with you mm-hmm. but are gonna be like bros with you uh 
like will always have your back and then women will be like nice to you to your face and then like backstab you or whatever when your back's turned which is entirely like bullshit like <laughs> i've i've made i've had many women friends and they're all super kind and actually like i've had much better women friends than i've had male friends because my male friends don't under, like they don't know themselves well enough to even talk about themselves like these are some totally. guys these are guys that i've known for years and i feel like i don't really i still don't really know them yes and and i think that i think that maybe and maybe you know i'm interested in this characterization which i think is true about men and women as far as directness goes or like she's this way to one to my face and this way behind my back mm -hmm. I think that a lot of um, feminization socially encourages duplicity interesting like so. like no regardless of how I feel about somebody I still need to be nice to their face mm -hmm. you know so like it seems like I'm being duplicitous but like I'm like I'm just doing my role and being like oh hi hey, hey, hey stupid fucking whatever guy in charge <laughs> 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 you know and i'm yeah. like i literally like have no respect for a lot of the men in power in my life okay all right i hate my job ah, full confession um but yeah no so yeah so i'm i'm you know i think about that a lot and how i act towards them very um non-threatening very like uh, you know passive like agreeable a lot of these things that i'm doing to um stay under the radar yeah at work and that's kind of like what and, you have to do with yeah. you as a man like it's just i think so i don't think it's that gendered actually now yeah yeah it's just like these hierarchies that we have like yeah i definitely and like you can see this in linkedin linkedin is my favorite uh social media platform <laughs> because people say that, that right? people say that instagram is inauthentic well they've never been to linkedin linked like instagram you could at least believe that some be that these people are enjoying their lives and are like truthful you when spend they're time scrolling linkedin you you spend like a minute scrolling linkedin and you see so many posts <laughs> that are like the most the most like bullshit inauthentic posts you'll ever see like I can believe on Instagram, like, that someone is living their life when they're, like, traveling the world and going to beaches and stuff. Because, like, yeah, that's a, that's a great time. But I don't believe that you are super excited about your work in actuarial table management or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that you think you're yeah. really changing the world by working on a payment platform solution for uh, this, this stupid app. Or maybe they are just in the first three months of the new job and they have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How dark and shitty it is. Yeah. Yeah. I do kind of want to hear more about your um about your experience with unemployment. Like I'm curious about um what it's like and how it feels to be out from underneath the capitalism yeah. machine. I mean, I'll say that I have... For just a moment, knowing fully that you have to go back. 
I'd say that it's definitely helped me, uh, helped put some things into perspective for me. Um, I think before I was, there were definitely some parts of my life that I was feeling like I was kind of doing um, automatically or following like the steps that are recommended, like the the American adult handbook uh, that I talked about earlier, where you get a job, you buy a house, you have a family, you live, you stay in that house yeah, until you're 65. Those scripts. Yeah. And um, you can't leave your job because now you've got a mortgage on this house that you can't afford without that job. And the bank's not going to insure your loan unless you have that income. So you need to stay in that job for as long as that loan's around. And then like maybe you have a family. Oh, and raising kids in the U.S. is super expensive these days. So you're definitely going to need to keep your job. And you're your spouse is probably also going to have a job. So you're both going to be stressed out and like working constantly and maybe have less time for your kids and then less time for each other. Your marriage will eventually like become yeah, a hollow show. No time for friends. No time for yeah. friends. Yeah. Uh, all because like you've bought into this cycle. And so now that I've had the chance of being removed, uh, it's given me space time and space. I feel like even though I, like I'm not filling my days with that many things to do, I do what feels right for me at the time. Cause, and this is even how I felt during work. Like I can't be productive eight hours a day, five days a week on command. My productivity works in cycles. Sometimes I'm productive and I can get a bunch of stuff done. Sometimes I am not productive and I am just sitting in front of my computer trying to write a single email for eight mm -hmm. hours. Um, right. And you know what? Which you, if, yeah, which, yeah, you might as well be doing something completely different if you're in that state. Yeah. You know, it's worthless to try. And we have advanced so much in this capitalist uh, economy. We've made so many efficiencies, but I don't, but like our work, work hours haven't changed. Why are we still working 40 hour weeks? I know. I know. I know. I literally These, tell my phone this yeah. every fucking day. I'm like, Siri, I know you're listening. You dumb bitch. Tell <laughs> the rest of them, you know exactly how to do my job. You've been watching. Yeah. Watching me do my job for the last whatever, however long I've had an iPhone. I'm like, you know how to do this. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Process it. They're making art. Yeah. So I think having this space has helped me, like, you know, giving me the space to reflect and to give myself time. And like, like I mentioned, I traveled. I got to see some very beautiful places in the world and also got like, a nice appreciation for how you know what people have made it all around the world in many different time periods with more and less people will survive we will all make it we will all live lives we are happy with as long as we like understand our happiness and choose to be as authentically as you know ourselves how. Yeah. yeah and so like even talking so um like a friend of mine asked the other day well like so like right now i'm thinking i don't really want to buy a house in the u.s housing in the u.s has gotten super expensive and those loans that debt is like that would chain me to work and then i would lose a lot of this time and space that i have 
I have for myself. And so then I'm thinking, mm. well, um, so then my friend asks, well, what about if you want to have family and kids? Well, people have raised kids in tiny in apartments the half the size of mine all around the world. And if maybe I don't want to raise kids in the US, I've been thinking about like what if I what if I go to another country, a country that has more support for raising children and more support more support for people like and not just like programs like um, public ed good public education and healthcare, but also like community spaces. I feel like people in the U.S. need as big of a houses as possible with big yards because we don't have any community spaces. We don't have parks and plazas for kids to go play in for, without us worrying about their them being like attacked by strangers. Like that's not a concern in like Italy or yeah. like Armenia. Like. Totally. I know parks are so like stigmatized, right? Yeah. Like public spaces are just like, so like undesirable. People are like, ew, I don't want to be around them. And I think it's a cultural, <laughs> what the fuck? I think it's a cultural problem yeah. of the U S where we're, yeah. we're raised to think that like, once you get a certain age, you have to leave. You are kicked out of the nest. You have to make a life for yourself. And everyone is told this and it's just so alienating and it just, it is so hard to build a community on your own. And that's basically what we're asking people mm -hmm. to do. So then they don't build a community. They just may find a partner maybe, and then like find a house and then that's their community. Mm -hmm. One other person. And then it's like, all right, yeah. In your house, you have everything you need. You you have your laundry. Yeah. You never need to go to the laundromat. You have your, you your big TV, so you don't need to go to the theater. Because, you have a big yard. Right? You don't you need to go to a, a yeah. park. Yeah, maybe a hot tub. Like, sure, why not? It's yeah. it's wild, right? My, my sister, who is my only viewpoint into the mind of the weird Christian conservatives of the world, <laughs> first... Her suburb uh, neighborhoods, her neighbors are talking about buying an empty lot to make their own private park. So a their private kids don't have to park? go to the public oh park. My God. Yes, like in their cul-de-sac. Like they want to buy a piece of land, go in on it together. So they're like, oh, then we can just leave our kids there and like not worry about them. And I'm like, what the hell? What the fuck? Like, yeah, people, yeah. like, the, it separate, is... the separation is, yeah. is so like elitist. Yeah. And just shows like we are like recreating the we're recreating things that have been around for centuries since before like the U.S. was founded as a country. Like there were plazas, there were parks. Like we had mm -hmm. figured it out as a civilization, and now we're like trying to recreate that. But yeah, in these even more segregated ways, splitting it up by yeah. class, splitting up by color, splitting up by however else we want to just to like for what? Because we've created these like false illusions that like strangers are evil and like we can't we can't like rely on the people that literally we live near. Like it's it totally. boggles my mind that like once you buy a house sometimes you don't even get to know all of your neighbors. Sometimes you never meet them. And then you years and years yeah. pass by. Yeah. Yeah. So it's wild. How? Yeah, and I mean, think it's weird. Yeah, yeah, and it's lonely. Like, it gets super lonely. It's isolating. It's stigmatizing to be open-hearted. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, 
what has helped you kind of like get past that stigmatization or like to still, cause you're very open. You make connections very readily. And like you even said that that excites you. So what do you think helped you get to that point? Totally. I mean, I guess just kind of like positive reinforcement, like I think as far as public spaces go and my ability to utilize and be comfortable in public spaces, like it's just a matter of practice, like taking public transit all the time, love parks, you know, love libraries, whatever, whatever else there is. Um, so kind of like that whole being around other people. Yeah. And just like seeing it for what it is and having a lot of like positive interactions and honestly, a, a lack of negative interactions. Yeah. Like right now I live across the street from Humboldt park in Chicago. And when people hear that, they're like, Oh my God. Scary. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, why? I, I go to that park all the time, probably like twice a day, like yeah. different times a day. And people are like, well, there's people camping there. Like there's homeless people there. And I'm like, yeah, there is, there is. And it's just something that like, if you expose yourself to it and you're not like, Oh my God, they're going to jump out and stab me. You realize that they're just there. They have nothing. They don't want anything from anybody. They just don't have a house, you know? And it's just just like, and it's like, you know, and you see the same kinds of things on public transit, as far as like people being in like desperate situations and a lot of people are really turned off by that. Right. They're like, Oh, I can't, I don't want to ride the bus or the train. Cause it's like scary. Yeah. And it's wild, man. It all comes back to our healthcare system and lack of access to it. You know, especially when it comes to mental health and the spillover effects are enormous. Yeah. You know, people don't want to use public amenities. Uh, a lot of times people in like, retail settings or different just like public facing jobs are dealing with people who are like in the middle of a mental health crisis you know it's just like it turns a regular job into something that's like way traumatic that you're not equipped for just because you happen to be around when like someone who really needs help can't have it because like they can't afford it there's nothing available yeah that's that's a really good point I wonder, because like, you know, in the U.S. said like, you know, we all, the general assumption is that retail workers have a terrible, terrible, like, terrible work. Like, it's just yeah, very straining. they absorb a lot. And yeah. I, I wonder if it's similar in places that have better, like, access to health care, especially mental health care. Mm. Or like, more of a community-driven place, like, where maybe you're not... You um, welcome back, uh, everyone. So we had a little bit of a technical issue. If you notice some slowage of the uh, video and a sudden shift, uh, we had some technical issues. But you know what? We vibe unconditionally. Earlier today, we were talking about some mindfulness practices, and a good one is what I call vibe unconditionally, where things can happen that go out of your control, like the your computer kind of freaking out and the crashing. And you know what? We just deal with it. We roll with the punches. We vibe. We make it work. And here we are. So Tessa, last we ended, so we just finished up the uh, conversation on retail workers. Do you have any other thoughts to conclude that before we uh, move on and conclude the chat? 
Yes. First of all, I think I think police officers are more sensitive than retail workers in a uh, you know dealing with conflict and um, oppositional defiance. Mm-hmm. Retail workers much more patient. Yeah. Yeah. This is a per- this is a professional skill. Um. Anyway. I mean, it's true. Oh, like as a retail yeah. worker, if you said if you like pushed back against a customer you could get fired easily oh totally totally and and you know the people who are in the position who are attracted to the job of policing sorry this is a completely different tangent but like they're way more interested in the um authority and compliance and it's just like totally ineffective especially in like a mental health space you know it's ridiculous yeah so what i would suggest for people listening is you know most of these most of the people listening and watching this are already good to retail workers but just keep doing that because uh during our little break i was reading some articles about how violence against retail workers is like a global phenomenon like is since, that right since covid and with high inflation and p- like people not being able to meet their living standards or like cost of living going up it's putting a lot of strain on people and those people are putting that the that stress on to retail workers so yeah just remember okay. we're we're all like in this together like every we're all human and we all want to we're all trying to like survive this crazy life and hopefully that'll help us get a little bit more empathy and kindness in this world so true so true yeah and my other statement on retail workers and other people who have public facing jobs is that they're at the mercy or they're paying for the spillover costs of an underfunded mental health care system. 100%. And all of us do like whenever we're uncomfortable seeing someone who's like clearly mentally ill on the street, we're all paying for it and Mm -hmm. our loss of safety and that we're all like, oh, it makes me uncomfortable. And it's like, we don't yeah. have to live like this, you know? The money that we put into our public safety net and programs, like, it just, it shortchanges people. It cuts people out. It's true. We think we're saving money, but really we're just pushing that cost to the invis- to invisible areas. It may not be as tangible, but it's real. It's even more real. It's causing strain in society. It's causing like harm to the people that are just trying to help us. And it's break. It's tearing us apart and further alienating us. Totally, totally. Quality of life. It's something people barely understand because we barely even experience it. I feel like some people are just living to exist rather than existing to live. You know man <laughs> so tessa i want to be respectful of your time do you have any concluding thoughts on our little yes. chat yes that was a great hiatus thanks for uh getting me back and thanks for having me and yeah no i mean uh no comments i guess i feel like i've said everything i could ever think of no no uh, interesting revelations on your walk no man, except that public parks are amazing. Public parks the are was amazing. Perfect out. Everyone was just having a nice time. People are playing baseball, yeah. sports. And you, dear go listener, go enjoy a park. Get out there, get yeah. Out there. Meet a new friend. Don't, enjoy the don't sunshine. Don't think everyone's out to get you, yeah. Yeah. I love that. 
Well, thank you so much, Tessa, and thank you for putting up with our little technical difficulties. It's no always such a great time chatting with you both on camera and off camera, and I hope definitely hope to have you again soon. Totally. Always, always a pleasure to be a guest. Yes. And thank you. to you listeners, uh, we now have an Instagram Woo! for Authentic Chaos. So please follow, please like and rate the show on YouTube or Spotify or Apple or wherever you're watching it. It really helps. And as always, embrace your chaos with kindness. Thank you so much.